Final ring, here I go. Alright, so welcome back. Uh, today we're here to talk about kind of ranked, the state of all sorts of server cheating or server issues, cheating, impacts on competitive gaming, transferring your ranked skill sets into competitive, and what kind of things are out there currently. So we would love to hear about the kinds of things that you want to see us talking about. So feel free to leave us comments with suggestions of topics or add us on Twitter on what you'd like to talk about. So I guess we can hop right into ranked. Um, so ranked is the first place that you're going to be, right? Like that's the first place that you'll start trying to enter into competitive. I mean, yeah, I feel like, you know, to start off your your whole competition, everybody starts somewhere and you don't go from pubs to, to tournament play or scrims. You, you really try to get to ranked, get to that highest level, compete against people who you know, do this for a living and, and go from there. I mean, yeah, we had Stomps telling us last time, which I completely agree with, is that once you're actually able to consistently play well against these top pros in ranked, that's the time that you want to start looking at uh, entering into competitive. 100%. But, I mean, ranked in general right now is in my opinion, at the all-time worst it's ever been, right? And I feel like a lot of these players and streamers would agree with that. Um, you know, with all the cheaters, the dossers, the, the everything, you know, these, these newer players coming in don't have the opportunity to build the skill set when every single game they're just dying to cheaters or the, the lobby's getting dossed or blah, 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 blah is happening. And it's, you know, it's a little ridiculous in my opinion. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I do think that uh, Respawn needs to kind of start working on their server stability in general. Um, I understand that it's a not an easy thing to combat cheaters, and you we kind of have to give them leeway with that sort of stuff. But at the same time, we can't just always say, "Oh yeah, it's totally fine." They're trying their best, these devs. Um, and we saw that especially with the. Uh, <laughs> with the hashtag save Titanfall uh, breach that happened about a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that was like a a very uh, honestly scary thing to happen. You know, it's uh, it, to be able to take down an entire like game for hours pretty much is yeah. is pretty scary in general. I mean, you know, you think about it, what else could they do if they wanted to, you know? Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is, like, uh, they said that they were not taking any sort of user data, right? Mm -hmm. And then, but but how do you, how do you believe them on that? When, yeah, they, exactly. when they can do that much and the servers are that insecure, then how do you know that whatever information you have on their server is going to stay safe? I mean, you don't. In exactly. all reality, there's there's nothing that I guess the average person can do against a cheater. It's like, you know, kind of going back to the topic of ranked. If if you want to get better to play ranked, you're sitting there with your three-stack squad. You know what I mean? You're getting a few KP. You're going zone, trying to rank up, trying to fight these teams, trying to learn how to play the game fundamentally. And then, you know, little Timmy with a $15 cheat just comes up and wipes your whole squad with a charge rifle in three seconds. It's like a charge rifle. What a good time! You you can't combat that. If you don't have the knowledge and the skill set to like deal with cheaters, like you see pro players and and top tier streamers kill cheaters, right? And you know, look at Shiv for example. Shiv and Tufi were like you know head to head. You know, two the the most known cheater in the the gaming warlord just battling it out head to head, <laughs> and you know. Shiv killed him a lot, and it shows, like, if you have the mindset and the skill set and the, the knowledge of the game, you can kill these cheaters. The issue with that is, you know, if you're trying to learn that, you're just going to get rolled over and over and over again. Yeah, and that's not how people in competitive will play either. And yeah. so these 
the all these these issues have pretty big impacts and like i want i think one of the ones that has the one of the biggest impacts is the uh the private server issues um none of the private servers are staying up properly as far as i know they all continue to have issues where like you'll load in but you won't actually load in you'll yeah. uh, you know all sorts of things have been going wrong uh, when the game ends, it doesn't actually end. You just sit there stuck forever until you restart the game, and they close down the lobby. Um, and then, of course, people are getting an enormous packet loss, and you just can't even play on that kind of thing. And so there's just no way for people to really practice without uh, private servers. And they're still using them. It's just... Uh, it's a very... I don't know... Well- it's a very hard thing to, you know, get proper practice. And we are in the off season right now. You know what I mean? We are taking a few months off of, of tournaments and stuff. So it's not as big of a deal for professional players right now. If you know, the servers aren't working properly, as long as they're working properly when it comes back and you know, scrims, everybody's ready to scrim again and get better. It's like, as long as those servers are working, then I feel like everything will be fine. But they have to figure it out. And, you know, there's a lot that Respawn has to do here to, in, in a very short amount of time, right? Yeah, and their previous experience with Titanfall and the fact that Titanfall 1 is still down and Titanfall 2 went down recently due to cheaters and hackers and they still haven't fixed those issues is not encouraging. Yeah, I agree. The The thing is, though, they are different dev teams, right? It's like they have they might have different or like a few people going back and forth between projects. But, you know, all of all of respawn for the Apex side of things isn't like committed to Titanfall and, and vice versa, right? Oh, so, absolutely. But it comes down to like the the management team's priorities and I'm not sure that those are there for what we want it to be. Well, I mean all we can really do is hope at this point. Like, yeah, it's kind of out of our hands. That is true. So you know, let's all get our heads together and hope that it. Which you know, it's it's pretty ridiculous that we have to even say that. Yeah, like, yeah. Having to say that, just like, well, you know, we're just gonna continue getting fucked by cheaters and dossers and and you know, keep dealing with it and just hope that they do something about it. You know, we had the whole. Yeah save apex ranked hashtag going around on twitter and i think it was like top 25 trending or something like that where yeah it was crazy it had like thirty thousand tweets or something like that or more six thousand around there yeah and it's like you know seeing that they should realize how important you know it is to yeah how much people actually care about their game yeah yeah I mean, you're going to have the casual players who are like, you know, gold or plat that maybe get one cheater a day, maybe one cheater every other day. But, you know, the cheaters aren't focused on on killing gold players, right? They're focused on on cheating against the the top level and getting reactions from streamers and blah 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 blah. And it's like Yeah. I've seen so many casual players tweet out like there's nothing wrong with Apex cheaters. I only run into them like every other week or i never run into him and it's just like because you're not at the point yet where every single lobby has like three to six cheaters cheaters, yeah yeah Yeah, and (laughs) the impact that the cheaters are having on especially content creators is what's going to affect the game the most in my opinion the growth of the game is going to slow if all these top content creators and top pros just kind of stop playing i don't think the pros would stop playing but at least it's not competitive unless they actually get completely fed up with it which i think would take a lot of time but you'll see content creators switch games like switch their main game from apex to something else and that's really got to stunt the growth of the community which in turn stunts the growth of the competitive community yeah i mean another thing in that I, i guess i'm sure you thought of but you know, if you're watching your favorite content creator just deal with cheaters and dossers all day, why would you want to play that game? Oh, yeah, like, exactly. Not only like is it a- stunting the growth of content creators, but it's like, if if you're new to a game, let's say you go to the Apex tab on Twitch, 
you click the the number one which you know Hal Shiv whoever it is at the time and if you just watch them for 20 minutes 30 minutes I guarantee you they died of cheaters or at least fight cheaters yeah and it's like why would I want to put so much time into a game if this is what you have to deal with you know? oh absolutely yeah it'd be ridiculous and there'd be no desire to play the game let alone join the competitive scene and I mean and just what's that I was gonna say, and I mean, this podcast is about like competitive and tying back into like, you know, cheaters and competitive. They may not be able to join tournaments and blatantly aimbot and blatantly grief like pro players, but with the whole Toofy situation, they were taking down private servers. They were taking down, you know, lobbies without even being in them. They were dosing private servers, blah, blah, blah. And all of this has an impact on the competitive scene yeah absolutely absolutely it does and it keeps people from being able to do anything i mean you, you can't play the game if the server is getting ddos and so they delayed a major tournament and so it, it just it's really bad in general and i think that i don't obviously know how seriously response taking it internally but without uh more the competitive scene is really going to struggle. And, I mean, I feel like it's already struggling. There's already this seems that there's a lack of, of players and competitive integrity, at least in NA, where, you know, even when people were trying to run daily scrims, even when people were trying to get, you know, actual practice before the big tournament, like, there, there still wasn't, you know, 60 people to fill up a lobby, at least in right. NA. Right, right. Yeah, and I don't know how the Crown Series, the first scrim thing, went for that, but I assume it was similar issue. I'm not I mean, sure if they were able to even fill up the lobby. A lot of these, I guess, what we're on now for the next few months is, you know, a bunch of tier two, tier three tournaments like you know GLL, Community Cup, or would you say Crown Series scrims and. Um, yeah, Crown like Series scrims and E series. Um, e series community cool. tournaments, even like yeah. So I think right now, honestly, your best bet if you're trying to get into competitive is to start playing community tournaments if you can. Mm -hmm. Like if you get invited to them or whatever, absolutely play in them because it's uh, while it's not any sort of representative of competitive or even competitive scrims, it's definitely closer than ranked. Well, I mean, yeah, and anything is <laughs> anything in a private server, even versus like, you know, low ranked players is going to be better than ranked, in my opinion. I mean, ranked right now is just an absolute, just, just terrible place to be. <laughs> and yeah. um, it sucks because that's where, you know, that's, like we talked about earlier, that's where you start off to build your skill set. You know, you you start off with, like, zone rotations and blah, blah, blah in ranked. And you kind of learn what fights to take, you know, certain rotations of zone, whether you want to be an edge team or whether you want to, you know, W key into, into mid zone and hold a building. You kind of figure all that out. and yeah, Absolutely. And transferring that skill set is pretty important, being able to switch it up. It's just to like adapt. Yeah, like how do you do that without ranked? I mean, uh, right. Community tournaments, the small tournaments, like you're probably gonna get destroyed in them. I'll be honest. If, if you know these bigger teams or even tier two or tier one teams are signing up for them, you're probably gonna get destroyed. And it, you know, you just gotta take it with a grain of salt, I guess. Where you may have gotten destroyed, yeah. but you're still learning, right? Yeah, and that's the thing too is I think that. Um, when you're scrimming and you're playing smaller tournaments, they don't. They also don't play out the same as you would see in an ALGS lobby, right? And so you have to remember that the things that you're working on in tournaments are part of the whole competitive, the, the play style of competitive, but not the entire thing. Yeah, I mean, we've we've seen it for the past few months, and and I mean, even the past year, where there's no scrim lobbies that end up like an ILGS lobby. Like, there's nothing that can prepare you 
for the full-fledged, you know, lobby that is an ALGS finals, right? It's, you know, I, I think we saw one game where there was, like, 20 teams still in zone four or something like that. Yeah. And unless you were there at the beginning of Apex and doing those scrims where, you know, every single team was taking it serious, like it was a, you know, $3 million tournament, there's nothing like that can, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing that can prepare you for it. And I think that just comes with like experience and time, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree with you. And that's another thing that we were talking about is, a. it's hard to keep up and hard to, hard to catch up to the players that have been playing since day one. It's just mm. hard because they have all that experience and the, 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 opportunities to get experience are few and far between these days since they don't hold uh, that many especially right now while we're in the break the tournaments are at a, on break as yeah. well obviously and so even even scrims are kind of in a holding pattern for now and so it's you're all these new players are missing out on these valuable opportunities to gain the experience that they need well something that i've noticed and i don't know if you agree with this or not but there's a lot of FPS games and you know, the, the pro scene comes in kind of waves, right? Where yeah, you have the first wave of people who will stay in for as long as they can and always perform better than everybody else, right? The longer they stay in, the, the better off they are. And then you'll have the people from the first wave who will quit, who will go to different games and then, you know, maybe come back later. But then you have the second wave of people who, might have started a little bit later, had less experience overall than the than the first wave of pro players that start to catch up, but still are kind of missing it. But that's like the tier one's main co- competition there. And then you have, you know, it just, it's a forever cycle. And it's, you know, now with Apex, in my opinion, we're probably on our fourth or fifth wave of players now who are, you know, just now getting into competitive where they're kind of getting the main stage competition and there's just still that huge skill gap oh yeah absolutely and i mean the skill gap comes in terms of uh experience not in terms of skill too which is yeah really exciting to see especially we saw in champs and i think that's one of the most exciting things is that there's so many players that have definitely have the skill to compete at this level we just oh, need to have a competitive scene that holds their interest, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talked about the stomps a little bit last episode, but, you know, obviously there's... there's Every region has their issues with, with scrims or with, you know, players, whatnot. But EU by far has the best scrims, in, in my opinion. You know, there's always... Yeah. People are taking it serious for the most part. There are scrims consistently there's not like you know scrims getting canceled every day yeah yeah and it's like whether or not the eu is better than ana or blah 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 blah. like overall i think their work ethic is is something that kind of shines through there yeah absolutely i agree completely and i think part of it has to do with the first wave of players you know Mm -hmm. what i mean they really set the standard of the work ethic and the amount of dedication that they put into the scene. And so the players who came after them saw that and tried to emulate that as you, as you would do with uh, someone who's ahead of you in a scene. Like, yeah, people always look up to the top players. And so the top players just, I think set a better example than they did in NA. I mean, you're not going to, catch up to someone's skill set by doing the same amount of work that in the, as them or less than them right right so you know i i don't i'm not sure how often how streams ranked for example but if he's streaming ranked for 12 hours a day if you're only playing ranked for you know six hours a day you're never gonna catch mm-hmm. up to him right unless he quits and blah 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 it's like you have to be doing either the same if not more. more yeah yeah and that's something that, like, I mean, when Apex first came out and there was that first wave of, of competitors, you know what I mean? They had Apex Pro, Scrims, blah, 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 private Scrims, all that stuff. Like, 
my team was putting in, you know, we did full, we did EU scrims, NA scrims, and sometimes if we were awake, we would do Japan scrims. So we were scrimming for, you know, eight to 12 eight hours to 12 a day. Hours a day. Yeah. yeah. And that was like our entire gameplay. Like we, if we didn't want to do Japan scrims or if we want to take a, a little bit of a breather, we'd play pubs, but almost every single day we were putting in at least eight hours and you're not going to find that here, especially when scrims are region locked now where you can only scrim NA for the most part, if, if I'm not mistaken, right? right? Yeah, and, correct. Yeah. You know, which, which you, you sucks because scrim... you don't have the same opportunities. Yeah, I think luckily they did. I think at one point they were having like different servers within the same region had scrims. So like I think Iowa and maybe Oregon had scrims, yeah. but they stopped doing that also pretty quickly because I guess their team couldn't deal with that many scrims, which is fine. That's a lot. I mean, right now I couldn't imagine doing eight hours of scrims a day. I'm gonna be honest. Like, oh, I I couldn't, I couldn't handle it, but. When I first started, because I wanted to prove myself and because I wanted to get to the point where I was, you know, able to compete, I I did whatever I could. Right. And you don't see that now from a from a lot of players that are trying to get in the scene or even players that are already in the scene that are trying to get better. It's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, you know, we'll play ranked for two hours today and then, you know, play some pubs and then we'll go play, you know, Tarkov or or you know <laughs> cod or whatever it's just like yeah that's not gonna get you to the professional level if you want to take it serious you you pretty much have to be committed to only one game right right i yeah you really do because the time you have to put it in. i mean think of regular athletes too right like when i a while ago used to play tennis competitively we would be practicing every day for about six hours six to eight hours every day mm-hmm including weekends like we never it was i think i put more more work in than i put into like current jobs yeah um, it was a lot of time a lot of time came in and a lot of motivation you had to have and when you lost the motivation or anything it was really hard to continue and especially if there was an off season like right now yeah it's really really easy to just not put in the time i mean yeah when i when i used to play baseball on a on a traveling team when i was younger we, you know, every day after school, we would go out, we would find, you know, scrimmages and we would, you know, do running drills, we'd do batting drills, we'd, you know, every Friday we'd go to the local batting cage and, and you know, just go crazy. And even after that, I would go out to the my backyard and pitch for hours and hours and hours. And it's like the amount of commitment oh, yeah. that you had to have for... I. I I think that really like just goes for anything in life. If you want to be considered a professional or overall like a competitor, you have to have the drive and the dedication. Have to have the drive, yeah. Like you have to, yeah. You have to want it. You can't fake wanting it, right? Right. And I think one of the unfortunate things between Apex and or battle royales in general and other types of esports is most other esports are one team versus one team. And mm-hmm. so you can find you can find your own scrims. You can you can go out and do your own scrims. You don't have to have somebody organizing sixty different people together yeah. to do it for you. And so I think that that is something that is. I mean, makes I mean, it very yeah, difficult. Like, when I, I swapped to Valorant for a little bit once uh, I kind of quit playing Apex. Everybody like, did. <laughs> yeah, if if you wanted to scrim, you would join a Discord, you'd find five other people that, you know, wanted to scrim, and you'd start a private lobby. You could do that by yeah. yourself any time of the day with any team you wanted to that was willing to, right? And yeah. it's as easy as that. In Apex, you know, we don't have custom lobbies. You're not going to find 19 other teams or 57 other people to sit there and be like, "All right, guys, let's get a good three games in right now or something it's like right it's just not gonna happen right and you know other games have that too like csgo and rainbow six have face it yeah um that's another thing like the random cues i i think personally random cues for a game is massive right because i this might be a hot take i think that by playing with other people whether you like them or not, like if you are, let's say, solo queuing on Valorant at Radiant, right? 
you yeah. could get somebody who like you absolutely hate despise on your team right but by playing with them you're still learning about the game from a different aspect right yeah and i think that's something that a lot of games or some games have and, and a lot of games don't where it kind of forces you out of that five stack comfort or that three stack comfort where three stack comfort yeah you know who you're playing with and what to expect from them well that's the thing too is uh one of my biggest points of improvement was when i started just solo queuing for hours on end mm-hmm. and i don't think you can or i couldn't personally do that right now i think i would actually go crazy <laughs> yeah. but it it did help a lot with my gameplay because it improved my game sense a lot because you couldn't just rely on the comms of somebody else or you couldn't just rely on somebody playing exactly in a predictable manner. You kind of had to be aware of everything at all at the same time. And it really improved my game sense. And you know, that's as boring as it is. And as like frustrating as it is to play solo, I think that's where you've, you see that most improvement, right? You, cause Right. The only person you can rely on is yourself. And if you're not at the skill level to where you can rely on yourself at that level, then. Like, yeah, you have to trust yourself and be confident in your skills. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. And I think that's somewhere that personally I struggled for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't feel like I was good enough or I didn't feel like I sh- was where I should be. And it took a lot. It took that solo queuing, honestly, for me to pick up, pick up my confidence and understand like, yeah, I can do this. I I can do this. Yeah. And I mean, then it I, it just became such a big part of my play style too. Uh, I've never like told anybody this, or I've never admitted to anybody this, but once I started to look to compete again after Micah and Spyro and I split up, and once I tried to find a different team, like um. Janie and, and Croft, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I sat there every single day, and you know, no matter if they they thought I was a good player or not, I was like, I'm not pulling my weight. I can't do anything. Like, I just feel like I'm yeah. a bot, right? Like, sure, I can make yeah. comms where the zone is going. Sure, I can make rotations, but it's like when we actually get into fights, they can't rely on me to pull my weight. And you know, that's that's a big realization for myself that i was like i to be honest i don't have the dedication or the the drive anymore to like sit there and solo queue for hours and hours to get that skill set back right so i think that's what really like you know stopped me from playing with them and kind of just said you know what you guys gotta you know we got to do our own thing here I, i believe in both of you and i know you guys can go a lot farther than than whatever i hope i gave you you know i hope i gave you some experience so you can you know kind of use that and get to where you want to be but i can't do it yeah and that's you know that's what we were talking about is there the waves of the players and you're definitely part of the first wave you know i mean and so I, i would honestly say like I would I was either late first wave or beginning of second wave. Like the way I see it, right? The first wave are the people who, you know, played in the Face It Pro League and the people who were in the invite only kill races and the the Crown Red tournaments or whatever they were called. And all of those like right off the bat was first wave, which I I didn't get the opportunity to compete in any of them. That's right? true. There was the one code red tournament that I did the qualifier for that we like almost qualified that's for. That's the first open qualifier, right? Yeah. For the a major tournament. Code red, I believe, was the first open kill race like qualifier where, you know, it was who was it? Was it Doc that put it on? The whole code red thing? Yeah, Doc Doc started Code Red. Yeah, so so Doc set up this thing and you had to download this program that like captured your screen and like monitor the amount of kills and damage that you had right. and you had to stream it and you know when i was playing with ben and uh one of my best friends of like 12 years worry we i mean we did we did all right right but even then even way back then 
our last game we played, we fought a cheater. Like, even all the way back then, like, when the game was somewhat new and the first open call, like, we were still fighting cheaters in pubs in, what, March of 2019? March of 2019, yeah. I remember in kill races when you ran into a cheater squad, or at least this is what we did, if it was early enough in the game and we knew there was a cheater in the lobby, we all just just left left. and started a new game. Just left and started again. I mean, that's all you can do. And Like, it was... No reason for me to continue that game. Well, I mean, yeah. And, you know, kill races were a completely different environment than, than competitive is now, right? Where, Right. If you didn't leave spawn with, like, 15 to 20 kills, you were leaving the game anyway. Right, and right. I guess that's got the whole, like, frag out mentality where a lot of these, like, big pub stars right now were really good at you know, kill races because they, that's all they do is frag out. Right. <laughs> yeah. And then and some of them went on to do pro play, which was kind of nice to see. I mean, yeah, but you know, hot take that a lot of people might not like look at ASU, right? When kill races were out, ASU was absolutely dominating, like insane player, right? Yeah. The mm-hmm. second it came to competing against players that were, you know, in the competitive mindset with BR experience, NRG right. struggled. And I really think that shows how different being a pub star and a, uh, like a competitor is. Yeah. And again, that's something we have to keep taking into account also is that uh, the Apex competitive scene is relatively new. And mm-hmm. so we have, a lot of, we have a lot of transfers from other games. And I think that as the scene develops, we'll see a lot of people climb up through apex rather than transfer over um and that's something that i'm pretty excited for you mean people that are like their their first competitive game is is apex yeah yeah and i'm excited Mm. to see players like that i mean yeah i think we already have seen a few players like we we have absolutely and i i'm just excited to see more i think is what i'm saying is like i'm just i think that this game has the potential to grow as long as it gets the support from the development team that it needs. I mean, yeah, I agree with that. And now a lot of things that are, are going to happen if other games release too, you know, if, if another movement battle Royale comes out, how many people of the apex scene are going to leave to go compete in that in the early stages. Right. And I think that's something that, that really depends on how developed the game is. Right. Is there going to be private server access day one? Are there going to be tournaments? Is there already plans for a professional like scene in a a public like map of how to get to where you want to be? Because I don't think any of the day one players or people that are competing in Apex right now would go to a, a battle royale who, that doesn't have that or even a different game that doesn't have that on release. Yeah, and I think that the pipeline is very, very important. The NA Pictures doesn't have that. There's no way to go besides just grinding really hard and knowing people. There's no mm. way to go from a ranked star to a competitive player. Because well, you have to have those connections and you have to be able to make 100%. it to the team, which is yeah. very difficult. Yeah. I think that like Having that that open plan or that map that anybody can see and anybody can like kind of plan out how to do it, where it's gonna be like, okay, we're gonna have tournaments here. This is scrims put on by the actual like tournament organizers of the the professional scene. You have you know this 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 that, and there's an actual plan or a requirement. And something that right. you have to actually play for to get to that level. I think having that is massive in a game. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think that it's a very important notion to be able to have that competitive support from the organization, especially. Mm-hmm. Which I think Apex is in a really weird situation because as we talked about in a previous episode, it was never intended to get big. It was intended to be a placeholder between Titanfall 2 and Titanfall 3. And uh, it just exploded, and then they kind of didn't want a competitive scene, and then 
we as players kind of forced them into it because we wanted it so bad. I mean, I don't think that Apex was was built around competition whatsoever, right? And no, it I think absolutely that wasn't. It really shows with how many, I guess, issues are in the game with with competitive in general. And, you know, Kraber, for example, or Knockdown Shield, it's like those things in a competitive sense are terrible aspects to the game. And, you know, I think that just proves more and more that Apex was never supposed to be a competitive battle royale. And it was way underdeveloped for the amount of success that it had at the start. Mm hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that they're kind of playing catch up now. Mm hmm. And we're, we're getting closer to being, you know, on point, but it's still not quite there. Well, I think that, That's like, actually hot take. Another one, third one this this podcast. But. Well, let's get a hot take much, count going. <laughs> as much as the, like,. As much as I love the devs and and as good as they are for making a game like this and and you know putting in the time and and putting in the effort to make it the game that we all know and love, like I don't think in my experience and in my opinion I don't think they have the correct tools to balance a game around competitive. And in terms of like the dev the developer skill sets is what you're talking about, or well, not the skill sets, experience but rather the way they're doing it in my opinion, is completely wrong, right? You can't balance characters off of pick rate and win rate. Yeah, and... I don't think that's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a it's a very, like, you know, interesting topic because a lot of casual players are like, well, this character is completely OP because their win rate is this. It's like, for casual, it's completely fine. But for a competitive standpoint, right, there are characters yeah. that are in the game that should absolutely 100% not be a thing. And, or, or shouldn't be balanced the way they are. And right. I think that the devs, if they actually want to make Apex a, a competitive, you know, environment where they balance it, right? They completely have to rethink the way they, they balance. And they completely have to change the way they update the game. Yeah, the one, this whole, this whole one update per split thing is, well, it's not good enough. Think of another thing. Okay, remember when Mirage Voyage was added? Okay, it was three days before an ALGS tournament. Yeah, like it was a completely new map, new area. It changed Mirage Voyage. It changed, you know, this entire map layout changed three days before a massive tournament. Like that is that is one hundred percent not okay to do, in a competitive standpoint because they played on the new map as well. Yeah, right. And teams weren't ready for that and didn't have a chance to practice on it. Right. And the thing too is, uh, you know, that's not the only time it's happened, right? They also it's happened multiple times. Had, yeah. They also had tried to uh, use Kings Canyon when they revamped it and put it into the the competitive rotation in the middle of a tournament circuit. Yeah. Didn't they want to add Olympus as well? They did. Yes. That was another one that another it's like, point in time where it was. Eh. The only map that is competitive ready is world's edge. And, and even then it's a little iffy sometimes. <laughs> even then. Yeah. Like even then there's still these, you know, massive choke points where there's three lanes to move about the map. And yeah, to go through those three lanes or, or, you know some of the most dangerous things you can do, and yeah, especially because you pulls, have teams that hold. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but with the the zone pulls being randomized, right? Like, look at the last tournament. How many zones pulled? You know, northeast. How many zones pulled northwest? And it's right. If you land on the south <laughs> side of the map, what are you gonna do? You have to rotate through one of those right. three or four choke points. And with the randomized zone pulls, we saw it in. Uh, Oh shoot! Which one? I think it was the Winter Circuit Finals. Mm -hmm. It was like all eight games were a northeastern pole. All eight games. I mean, we had there. There was a, a tournament where, oh, what was it? I think it was like five of the the eight games or five of the six games pulled, you know, Skyhook or um, Trials. And this was recent. Like this is 
didn't NRG because right. they land Lava Fisher. They played obviously very well because they had like every zone. And quote unquote randomized zone pulls should not do that, right? I think that if you well, see multiple things like all <laughs> the same way, it's it's I yeah. don't know. Technically, a truly randomized state that should be fine, but the likelihood of that happening, and I don't think that the competitive integrity is there if it, all eight, all eight games pull to the same spot. Like it should be randomized to some extent, but there should be maybe I don't know maybe maybe this is a hot take. Gads a hot take counter <laughs> is that no two ring or no two end zones in a single tournament should pull to the same spot. Oh, I hundred percent agree. I think that because that's just giving one team or two teams an inherently massive advantage. I mean, that's the thing about a BR though. There's if if it's a truly like randomized state like we were talking about, that that's gonna happen, right? And it's it's that RNG factor that you can't really account for. You can't like practice to say, you know, the zone's gonna pull here and here and here and here and here for every single game of this tournament. Right. And you know, that's where the whole BR genre, I think struggles in a competitive integrity, you know, form. Yeah. And I think that the issue is that battle Royales aren't inherently a competitive format. And so making battle Royales into a competitive format is kind of a, kind of a tall task. And I'm not saying that Respawn or EA gets a pass on this either because they've had two years to figure it out. But it is hard to balance a game like a Battle Royale into a competitively, a fully, fully inter, in a game, a, a, a place where it, the competitive integrity is there, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Where you don't have, you know, random randomness happening happening it's it's all based around the you know skill and knowledge of the game and yeah that's impossible to do in a br i'll just i'll just straight up say it it's it's impossible yeah i mean the the format of a battle royale is not a competitive format inherently it just isn't but that's what makes Um, it so i think fun to watch and fun to i guess compete in because you have the you know no two tournaments are the same and it truly takes, you know... Yeah, those two regions are the same. Yeah, that that is true as well. But it takes an incredible amount of skill to consistently be winning tournaments. Like, right. OG TSM, right? What was it? Five tournaments in a row or whatever? Five tournaments in a row. Like, the fact that they did that is absolutely insane. And, you know, is one of the most respected, I guess, teams and something that I've ever seen or been a part of. Yeah. And even CLG too, they have I think four LGS wins under their belt. Yep. And and so being able to perform consistently at that level is just part of the reason impressive. that I got into competitive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I mean, that uh, I think hopefully as the scene matures, we'll start seeing more teams perform consistently, and that's part well, of the interest in the. And the I, it's part of the interest in playing a battle royale is being is forcing yourself to play consistently in a game that's not consistent. <laughs> I see uh like respawn potentially getting into competitive arena, right? We have obviously arena mode and we have arena ranked coming soon. And I could a hundred percent see them, you know, say we're gonna we're gonna start a uh, an arena competitive side to our our game right where we don't have to worry about all the rng and we don't have to listen to you you know pro players sit there and whine and cry because your zone pool didn't happen or whatever and <laughs> yeah i, I can see uh, them doing that yeah i can see them doing that too but i it's, that's an interesting it's very interesting to me that you bring that up because it's also I can see them trying it, but I can see it not going well very easily. Oh, I could see it. I could see it because you know, crashing and burning as well. Yeah. Why? Why would you? Why would you play a game Apex Arenas that's not 
like their main game mode when you can just play Valorant CSGO. Because I think the movement possibility in this game is unmatched by other games, right? Obviously, CS has, you know, the B-hopping and the, and the, you know, KZ maps, whatever, right? But yeah, you can't sit there and, you know, tap strafe off Octane pads while going 300, whatever. Like, <laughs> you can't go... You don't have that adrenaline and overall, like, fast-paced movement that it's it's i don't see any other game having it at all and i think that's why there are a lot of people who enjoy this game is because it's just supposed to be fast-paced and it's supposed to be right right you're supposed to be like fade on the zip line you know what i mean right absolutely and that's part of what gets people playing the game is content creators like fade like hollow yeah, Isu, caution. It's a big one too. Caution, and that's not something you see with any other game because that that movement just doesn't exist in any other game. <laughs> it I just mean, doesn't. I mean, yeah. and it's, it's and the the movement is like the one of the only reasons that I still play this game because it's you go oh, play another game and you're like, okay, I feel so like slow. a snail. I'm trying to I'm trying to octane pad or, or grapple down a mountain, you know what I mean? Like Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But and I, I think that's one of the reasons why I hope that Respawn EA are able to get these issues fixed, because I do think that this game has a lot of potential and has is a lot of fun to play. I know it's a lot of fun to play. And I know that seeing it played on a competitive scale is also one of the best things as well and that's a lot of people will disagree because they'll say oh it's just people camping in a building and i'm like it's way more than that but all the decision making that goes into where do you go who you fight i guess from the outside looking in if you are like unknowledgeable about apex right and you pull up a a a, you know a, a tournament and you see a bunch of people just sitting in a building and and not fighting it's like okay this is boring like what's happening but if you actually understand how much decision making and thought goes into an IGL's head or just a competitor's head in general about, mm-hmm. you know, where we're going to rotate, who we're going to fight, how we're going to do this, you know, what guns do we have? What what if the zone pulls here? What if we do this? That just so much goes through your head in so little amount of time that I think I have like a lot of respect for for the players who who can play it, right? And I think yeah, that's a lot of something casuals don't think about. Yeah, exa- exactly. And I think that that's one of my major goals for this podcast, actually, is to get casual players to um, understand more of competitive, to be able to enjoy watching competitive more, and then to be able, hopefully, to be interested in joining and having the knowledge of where to at least start yeah yeah i mean behind the scenes there there's obviously a lot going on with the the tier two scene the tier three scene blah 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 but nothing that's really public or or knowledgeable right like right i have people that now it's cross play and people from console are like how do i scrim what do i do what do i do and it's like technically console's not supposed to scrim but at this point a team's a team I'd rather have 20 right. teams that actually scrim with, you know, somebody who has 0.6 aim assist, the aim botters, right? Then not scrim at all. Yeah, I completely agree. And then that brings up a whole other, you know, can of <laughs> worms. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my whole, like, you know, spiel on yeah. it. Everybody calls me the, the aim assist hater. But in reality, like, it doesn't bother me that much. At this point, it's just a meme. Yeah, and I think that there is some issues with competitive integrity in terms of having multiple inputs in one tournament, but at the same time, I would rather, as you said, suck I'd it up. I'd have a tournament. Play with, not play with exactly. Yeah. Play, play with a full 20 teams that have the passion for the game than to just not. Because in the end, everyone's gamers. <laughs> We're all gamers. Yeah. We just want to play the game. We want to do well. We want to perform. We want to compete. 
I'd rather play with those dirty tap strafing M and K warlords than you know yeah. not play the game at all. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's just I don't know. It's it's a, it's a tough decision, and it's it's a very contentious argument of whether or not to allow console players into competitive. I think and, uh, that if console players want to compete, if they are on the same standings as uh, PC controller players, I don't care. If they have yeah, you know, well, 0.4 aim assist, it's whatever, right? And, you know, that's obviously, like you said, a, a whole different can of worms, but, you know, having two inputs in a, in a game compete against each other with different values and different, you know downgrades and upgrades for both it's it's really hard to to balance everything properly yeah and, exactly and it's like that's where the problem lies is it's very difficult to say oh you have 0.6 aim assist and i don't therefore it's unfair and it's like that's not the only thing that you have to look at to determine if it's an evil playing field and it will never be equal and i think that's why i think that it's Kind of well, untenable to have multiple inputs, but at the same time, another thing they still I, don't, I, I can't remember if we talked about this last podcast or not, but you know the amount of cheaters and e- how easy it is to get away with cheating. How many people are in the competitive scene? You know, just walling or or having, you know, um, a Cronus Max or whatever it is, a strike pack or, or <laughs> yeah, strike pack. Yeah. You know, how, how easy is it for people to get away with that? And, you know, if, if we look back to when Studsy was there, 11 X Kenny, you know, these are players that competed with, you know, cheats yeah. for months. I was just going to say, I was still waiting on Studsy's list, man. Dude, if Studsy ever released a list, man, let me tell you, all these <laughs> tier one players and streamers are going down. <laughs> oh. oh that what what a meme do you think he actually has a list like like 100 percent honestly do you think do you think he had a list and was paid off to not put it out absolutely not i don't think he ever had a list <laughs> i think he was just blowing smoke out his butt i think uh i think once he got caught he tried to cover it up with you know oh i was making lists and doing research on how easy it was to cheat and then you know i got caught oops whatever Oops, what, yeah, it's one of those. Yeah, he was just trying to cover his ass, and that's one of those things that's like, ha, 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 got me, but it wasn't real, you know? Yeah. It's the <laughs> it's whole, like, like this... middle school text where it's like, hey, I like you. Oh, ha, 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 my roommate texted you that, or my brother texted you that. It wasn't me, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like, how how do you get away with that, right? It, you just don't. It's, it's dumb. And, um... I think where that's like a lot of maturity comes into to I guess gaming, in, in general, like, you know. Well, that's one of those things we were talking about last episode is keeping your head down, and not only keeping your head down is a good way to like, you know, not piss people off and not burn bridges or not lose connections that you need to play in competitive. Mm-hmm. But it it's one of those things that we have to remember that the majority of people who are competing in esports are very young. Yeah, like I think what's the what's the average age like seventeen to twenty four or something? Something like that. Yeah, it's it's like. I now mean, I'm not saying that everyone in the scene is immature, but the likelihood of the immaturity popping up high. is much higher with people being that young. I mean, you have you know absolute demons, absolute monsters that are just insanely nasty at Apex who are like fourteen years old. Yeah, and it's like you can't expect them to have the same experience or the same, you know, wisdom or maturity that, that other people have, but they're just nasty at the game. And that's just how it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'll see people like clips on Twitter. I'll see clips on Twitter, go check out their profile. And they're like 14 years old. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm, I don't think I'll ever be this good. And you're like 12. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Just overall skill in general is like, wow, that's insane. And, yeah, you know, I think COVID has had a big impact on, on young players as well. You know, not having to go to school or having online school at a young age allows you to have a lot more 
quote-unquote freedom, yeah. <laughs> I guess, and to really, you know, do what you want. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, on kind of related, kind of unrelated note, when I was working at home, you know, that's an extra four hours a day that I have to do whatever because I don't have to commute or I don't have to like... Exactly, exactly, yeah. I mean, when I was younger, for example, my I was limited on like the amount of game time that I had per day, right? Me too. One hour Which a is, day. Exactly. Like, <laughs> but then now you see, you know, these these young teenagers or even, you know, 15, 16 year olds that are, instead of going out to hang with friends or instead of doing this, that, the other, they're sitting there and they're like, okay, I finished all my schoolwork in six hours. Now for the other 18 hours in the day, I'm going to play a video game. And I think just being able to have that freedom to do that makes them just better yeah especially because of the way that you know psychology works and brains have a point in time where they're able to learn new skills better and quicker and i think that that helps a lot and i think that you know because of that we're going to see in like five or six years we're going to see the average skill level of competitive scenes everywhere like apex rainbow six valorant whatever it is just go up i think it's going to be like insane like i don't think anybody in the scene right now will be able to compete in five or six years yeah i i agree with you to be honest with you i I, assuming this scene still exists in five or six years it'll be completely different it'll be a whole different animal (laughs) well i mean just in games in general like any yeah any competitive game in general like you know look at csgo right csgo has been around since Honestly, I think CS is older than I am, right? Did it come out in 99 or, or before 2000? Oh my god, I'm so old. <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> I mean, I think CSGO has been around for as long as I have, right? Like 21 uh, years. Oh, well, CSGO was released in 2012. All right, well, yeah, CSGO, but I mean, I should say Counter-Strike in general. Yeah, I'm going to look up right now. We'll see. 1999. So there you go. CS, CS as a game is older than I am. <laughs> and, you know, think about how the competitive or the, the, the skill set back then when I was, let's say, two years old. So let's say 2002, right? Think of the skill set then versus how it is right now. <laughs> Do you think it's anywhere near the same skill level? Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. I completely agree with you. I mean, that's the case has been for all sports in general is like, you know, as the scene ages, the players get better. Exactly. You have to, be, you have to be better to win against these other players. You can't rely on them getting bad or, you know? Yeah. I mean, the only thing you can re- re- like count on is them retiring at some point, <laughs> right? They're not going to get worse at the game just because yeah. the, unless they, they stop playing, which, you know, retire. And, you know, Ugh. you see these these players and these teams like take a three month break from Apex, right? And then come back and they're just like, "Well, now we're so far behind. What the heck?" You know? Yeah, you just can't even take a break. It's <laughs> crazy. Yeah, yeah, you can't really. You take a break, you're out. Yep. Then Smile. instead of eight hours, you have to put in thirteen hours or fourteen hours or sixteen hours. Or or twenty hours, honestly. Sleep four hours a day. Uh, yeah, I've seen that happen before. I've seen people do that. And you know what's crazy is um, uh, where I worked about a month ago, we had these cyclists coming through the, for a race. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're obviously high-level competitors. I was talking to one of them, and this is, I guess, kind of related. But they were only sleeping four hours a day. They were biking They were biking 20 hours a day Yeah, for, like, weeks on end. I mean, before I quit my job to compete in Apex... Right, like way back at the beginning, I would work my full time job. Right, mm-hmm. like you know, eight hours. A- I think I was actually twelve hours a day because I had a split shift. But so I'd Ooh. be there at my job for like twelve, yes. thirteen, fourteen hours a day with commute. Right, yeah. and then I would come home and still scrim in Apex, and then for eight hours uh, a day, yeah, for you know four hours, eight hours, whatever it was, I would still do that. So I'm sitting there pulling, you know, getting two hours of sleep a night, four hours of sleep a night, just to keep up with everybody else. 
if even that. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest, it wasn't healthy. And I had probably six to seven monsters a day. Not a good idea. But, you know, that's what <laughs> I did. Claw's heart just explodes. <laughs> I mean, it might as well have, honestly. <laughs> I feel that, though. And, like... I know that I'm not able to put in the time to compete at a high, like the highest level. Like I can put in maybe three hours, four hours a day, unless it's a weekend and I can like six hours or so. Yeah. And like, I'm fully aware that that's just not enough, <laughs> you know? I mean, and right it, now, personally, I could put in the amount of time to compete again. The question is, do I want to for, you know, what's happening in the game right now? Right. And, and the answer is probably not. Pro- <laughs> I don't know, man. Hey, listen, if Mike and I find a good third, I'm running it. But I mean, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I hope that you do. Maybe we can see you play in the next and talk about your performance in front of <laughs> however many people watch the podcast. <laughs> I'll sit down and be like, yep. All right. So... I'm just washed at this point. I don't know why I tried to compete again. We got 20th out of 20th. Like, I, I don't know, man. Out of the GLL Cup and everything. No, I'm just kidding. I you don't, know, that's I don't a, know. There's a, It's a very interesting that, like I said, one team that, that made me think of was Sentinels. Mm-hmm. And it's very, that whole team is very interesting because they don't play the game except for tournaments. Well, I mean, look at their performance. I mean, it I know, shows. that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's like you see them placing like 12th to 15th every single tournament, and you're like, I, I just don't, I don't understand why they still compete if they don't like. It doesn't seem like they like playing the game to me. Well, now I might get some hate for this. I'm gonna be honest. Sentinels used to be one of the you know best teams. Hot, hot take number five. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. The 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 best team, the first team to ever hit Pride and Apex, right? Well. Yep. Zoms left, went to Valorant. Retsy left, and then they had what Crust, Peach, and Senox, right? And competing. Senox, yeah. Well, then Retsy decided to come back, and they dropped Peach, just like because Retsy wanted to compete again. And then yeah. none of them ever play the game anymore. It's like, what was the point of dropping? As much as I I dislike Peach, and we don't agree on a lot of things. What was the point of dropping him for someone who's not going to play the game? Yeah, what's the point of dropping someone who actually cares about the game actually plays the game for somebody who doesn't? It doesn't and make any sense. I think that's a... I don't know if that was a team decision or an org decision. I feel like yeah, it was an org decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll I, I never feel like it was, but we'll never know. Yeah. But, I don't know. It's it's just a very interesting situation. Man, I miss Zoms, I'm gonna be honest. That man <laughs> was a whole demon for no reason. Well, he's killing it on Valorant too. Like, I mean, dude, I don't understand what he's. Dude, I don't know, man. Yeah, some people just have that ability. Yeah, they just have that natural talent. Yeah, he knows how to click heads real good. He spends a lot of time in Kovacs. You know what? I kind of wonder about that. I might hold him. Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole debate, honestly. <laughs> that's a whole different episode, honestly. Yeah, because there's tons of people that think we Kovac, playing Kovacs is not worth it. Man. I mean, I'm one of them. I, I'm i kind of in between. All right, I'll, I'll do like a little 30-second opinion here. Um, All right, let's do it. And then I'll do a counter opinion because I think we're on the opposite sides of this. Bet. So, aim trainers will help you with mouse control. They won't help you with actual in-game aim. So, if you are building up mouse control and... Like learning how to, to let's say flick, right? Yeah. You will playing an aim trainer like Aim Labs or Kovacs is massive. But once you have that skill set and you kind of have an idea of mouse control, going into the game you want to get better at and have better aiming and actually just playing that game will help you much more than than Kovacs will. All right, let me hit you with my thirty seconds. All right. All right. So Kovacs is, in my opinion, the equivalent of drilling in any other sport. It is very yeah. important not only to keep up the base, your base mechanics, but also to become more consistent and become better at doing the mechanical things that you need to be doing, like clicking heads. And while it is not a substitution for playing the actual game, 
if you look at any other sport, like you said it yourself, you would go in your backyard and just pitch for hours on end. Yeah. Right. And that's what Kovacs is. And professional athletes will drill still hours. They'll drill for hours. I I, I could agree with that a little bit. I, I I don't know if it's in my opinion on the same level as, as let's say, you know, pitching for hours or, or, or drilling. It's exactly, it's exactly the same thing. Like, wait, 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 in what situation are you going to have no pressure pitching in a game? You're just not. Mm-hmm. The conditions are going to be different, but as long as you have that muscle memory and the mechanics down, you have a higher chance that you'll pitch to your best ability because you have the practice, you have the muscle memory there. And that's what Kovacs is to, to gaming, to FPS games. I get that. I see where you're coming from. I don't particularly, you know, I'm not going to change my opinion, but I mean, (laughs) I I, I get where you're coming from and I realize, you know, why you think that way. And I, I, I kind of agree with it a little bit, but I don't know. I'll change your mind eventually. Uh, But for (laughs) now, I think that's, I think that's kind of all the time that we got for this episode. And I don't want to get into the whole, uh, Kovacs game trainer versus no game trainer debate at the very end of an episode. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. Tune yeah. in next time, so, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Make sure to be here. Hot takes all day. Hot takes all day. Maybe more than five. We'll see. Anyway, if you like the content, uh, give us a like, subscribe to see more episodes going forward. Um, if you have any suggestions or feedback, and again, if you have ideas for topics and content things that you want to see us talk about. Uh, leave us a comment or add please, us on Twitter. Please, please leave us a con- comment or or at myself or Zoro on Twitter. I think the editor will put our ads up right here below our face cams or whatever. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you have any questions, anything that you want to hear us talk about specifically or or even brush over anything, just, just make sure to ask and um, we'll be happy to cover it. Yeah, thanks for listening. Final ring, here I go. 